Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello everybody and welcome to the sixth episode of the Long Run Podcast Series. I'm your host Dominic Santina. Got a couple announcements before we get into our actual program here for the show. So we're going to start off with our warm-up for this week's episode. And the first thing we're going to talk about are the Olympics. They have been rescheduled. The official dates were announced just the other day. They will be going on July 23rd, 2021, will be the opening ceremonies of the Summer Olympics, and they will conclude on August 8th, 2021, are the dates now for the Olympics that were supposed to be held this year, but now have been moved to next year. The athletes that have already qualified will be able to retain their spots, which is an important factor for our long-distance group because they had already qualified. We had our three male and three female athletes already qualify for the Olympics, so they'll be able to retain their spots. The other qualifying events, such as the track and field Olympic qualifiers, will be postponed, and they will schedule a new date that has not been announced yet around the Olympics for next summer. So we have found out the official word. They're not going to postpone them to later in the year. It'll be moved a whole year later into 2021. Another thing that we wanted to kind of bring to people's attention, it'll be April 1st, which will be tonight, as the podcast will come out here on April 1st, bright and early. But on April 1st at 8 p.m., Desi Linden and the Endure Strong Group are hosting a free webinar that you can register for at EndureStrong.com. And it's going to talk about um, getting back to running. So some professional runners there talking about how to get back into running. So check it out at EndureStrong.com. That's at 8 p.m. on April 1st. So if you're listening to this, Happy April Fool's Day for everyone, if you're listening to it here on the first day of April. If not, I'm sure they'll have some more. I believe this is the second or third one they've done, so if I hear of any more, I'll make sure to mention it in upcoming podcasts as well. And then last week, I mentioned that we were going to have a special episode this week, and that has all panned out, so without further ado, we're going to have our first guest here on the Long Run Podcast Series. I'm going to introduce him right now. His name is Alex Wilson, and he followed in his footsteps of his father who ran at Central Michigan University. Alex decided to run at Michigan State University. Before going to Michigan State, he was a three-time All-State honoree in cross-country he played. He won the state championship for Division Three, for in both his junior and senior year, at Kent City High School, and he also won the state championship in the two mile his junior year. While at Michigan State, I'm going to read you some of his times. His 1500 time personal best was 3:51.64, so getting it under the four minute mark, pretty impressive. The mile he came in at 4:10.69. 5K 1415.13, very fast 5K time, and then his 10K is 2927.69. Of course, those were all his college records. He would then go on to run professionally for the Hansons Brooks Project team, and then after a few short years of that, he went on to coach at Fraser High School, 
He then moved to Wayne State University where he was an assistant coach for a year or two and then found Rochester University in Rochester Hills, Michigan. It's a small NAIA school in the WAC Conference. And that's where we came in touch as my junior year of college. He became my college coach. And we'll get into it later, but he's completely turned the program around from what it was and took a program that was trying to start up and has completely built the program up and trying to build it up even farther into a competitive team in the WAC. Let's introduce our first guest to the Believe podcast series. I'd like to welcome Coach Wilson, Alex Wilson. Welcome to the podcast. First question, what made you choose to run at Michigan State? Kind of always my dream school to go to ever since I was young. Then my, my second choice was actually um, Central because that's where my my dad had ran at and everything actually for Coach Strength when Coach Strength started his coaching career at Central. So I basically had it narrowed down to Michigan State and Central. Honestly, Michigan State was just kind of always my dream school. And then I made visits to Central and everything, and I liked it up there because it reminded me of home. But it, looking kind of looking back and hindsight it was um, central is more kind of a backup in case something didn't work at michigan state and then i did end up getting a little bit bigger scholarship offer to michigan state when i made my official visit there and so that basically sealed the deal so i remember leaving the visit with my parents and i didn't commit on the spot but i just wanted to tell my parents and make sure they were on the same page and once they uh once we talked on the ride home, we were maybe 30 minutes off campus, and I remember I called Coach Drenth and committed, so it was kind of a quick process, really, once I made the visit and everything, and got to hang out with the team and everything. And I actually knew more people just from my high school days on Michigan State's team, so that was also kind of, I guess, kind of like a comforting thing that I knew people on the team, so. That's always a good thing. What is your most mem- one of your most memorable moments from running at Michigan State? I guess, I mean, my first time running in a Big Ten championship was kind of a big deal. I remember thinking that was kind of cool. But I guess probably my biggest one would be something like the national championships that I ran in. But ultimately it would have been my fifth year in cross country, so my last year. The meet was at Indiana State at Terre Haute, Indiana, and um, our team ended up getting 24th place in the country with, with our highest finish as a team. So that in my time there, so that was so that made it fun. And then I also ended up being our number one runner at that meet. Um, it was an ending of my cross country career, even though I did do some cross country races post college, um, but ending my college cross-country career and I ended it on a good note it was, it was either 89th or 90th I don't remember exactly the place it was but um I remember that race pretty vividly actually I remember a lot of it I remember how the race went out it went out really slow and so like at the 5k mark at the 10k I remember I wasn't in the lead but there was like 150 people that was in a huge pack that was like in the lead and so it was kind of a weird feeling because you're like we're halfway through this race, and, like, everybody is still here. But then um, it, it just it ended on a good note. Um, 
and some friends and family got some really good pictures, so I had some cool pictures from that meet as well. So I guess that would be my most memorable meet. Oh, making it one of your last ones, that's always good. So. Yeah. Uh, after you graduated, you went and ran professionally. What made you choose to go run for Hanson? some ways, I didn't necessarily pick it. It wasn't really my part of my plan post-college. Um, I originally, after outdoor finished at Michigan State, um, I went right into running some road races. Um, there's road races everywhere for a little bit of money. And so, I mean, it wasn't much, but um, I remember just doing that for a little while, and then it was somewhat common. Um, a lot of the guys that were older than me at Michigan State, they went ran for uh, Playmakers. They have an elite group, and so I actually first joined them right out of college because they were right in Lansing and everything, and I was able to train with some people in addition to still training some with some of my college teammates. So I did that. I did some races with them, and then I ended up not doing my student teaching, because that's what I was supposed to do after um, college. I never did that. So I was living in Novi at the time, and I was training by myself and working at a running store. And then a girl that ran at State with me, same age and everything, she was running for the Hansons group. Melanie Brender was, or is her name. She, I reached out to her and just said, hey, would it be possible for me to, I mean, from Novi to Rochester's a bit of a drive. So I just reached out to her and said, hey, could you talk to your coaches about possibly me just coming one, one, two, three days a week, and maybe just workout days. So I talked to Kevin Hansen, and he actually said, here, why don't you come over on a just visit, and I'll show you the stores and everything. And I think also the fact that I was working at a running store, he liked that too, because they wouldn't have to train me, really. Um, they just had to train me how to use the register, which was pretty simple. And he's, he's, Angie, my wife and I were engaged at the time. So basically I just needed a place to live for about nine months. And so he was like, Oh, well, why don't you come live in one of our houses for that time period? If you can just train with the guys and I'll give you a job at the store. And so in some ways I didn't really pick it. He kind of picked me, but it just kind of the timing and everything worked out really well. So I ended up doing that for a couple of years, which was which was actually a blast. I still run with the with some of my guy friends from from that and from those days and everything too. When you were running for Hansons, what was a normal week like training wise? A lot of running because you're training for mostly, well, at least I was the majority of the the guys and girls were training for longer like road races. So, I mean, a week was anywhere from 100 to 120 miles a week. A lot of two-a-days, not really on workout days, but other days it would be a double of 10 and 6, 12 and 4, 12 and 6. So, I mean, 14 to, well, up to 20 miles a day. If we have, like, a 20-mile long run, that sort of thing, while training uh, for, like, a marathon and everything. What were some of the races that you ran while you were running for Hansons? I ran quite a few. I ran, there's a race in Chicago called the Shamrock Shuffle. Um, it's a team race, actually, which was kind of fun. Um, it's an 8K. I did that. Um, I did do a couple half marathons, but they were part of a training segment. Um, I did the California International Marathon. It's the CIM Marathon. Um, 
that would have been December of 2016, I think. Yeah, December of 2016. That was my only marathon that I actually did. I trained for two with them, but then I actually pulled my Achilles for the first one. And I had to cut that one short. I did the Riverbank run in Grand Rapids at 25K. Those were the main two that I did amongst other, like, smaller races, I guess. Okay. And then after you stopped running professionally, you got into coaching, made a couple different stops, and then you came to Rochester. Mm-hmm. What made you be interested in the Rochester position? A few different things. Well, I was at Wayne State, so driving to Detroit from where I, my wife and I were living was kind of annoying. So my commute got cut at like the quarter of the distance and quarter of the time. So I was first of all interested because I saw that it was a lot closer. And then it was a head coaching position where at Wayne State I was just an assistant coach. So I saw it as most likely like a kind of a move up, being able to run my own program, that sort of thing. Plus I was really familiar with the Rochester area because I lived there for nine or ten months and then been training there for a couple years so I at least knew from a distance running standpoint that I know exactly where my runner should run um, and I mean, I'd run by campus probably a hundred times in my time there so I guess there was just a lot of little things and then I did my interview and uh, just walked around campus and I was like yeah I definitely could, could see myself here so it was I guess just a lot of little things that, that piqued my interest for it all right. What is one of the most challenging things about being a head coach at Rochester? I would say, I guess, kind of starting the program, because the program was kind of already started, but kind of trying to make it branch out and actually be more of more than just distance with us adding some throwers, sprinters, that sort of thing. Obviously, it's difficult to add those types of student-athletes when when we don't have a facility on campus. So that has definitely um, had its challenges from that standpoint. When I started being the only coach, that was really challenging, trying to divide my time and figure out what, where to, I guess, put my time here and there. But that's obviously gotten better with with having two coaches, with Coach Phelps and Coach Denemy now. So that has definitely helped as well. So there's still little challenges here and there. Um, I think most of that's kind of related to our lack of a facility, but we definitely have made it work um, with places in the area and then going to McComb Community College and them having their uh, their indoor facility. What do you like about coaching? I guess I like seeing athletes succeed. I mean, obviously you know that you got faster throughout college. There's quite a few of you guys that definitely got faster so I guess I enjoy that I actually just enjoy going to meets which is kind of weird but like track meets I just I like going and watching the meets and knowing that it's going to be an all-day event but it goes really fast but specifically I love like conference meets um, our championship season that sort of thing so that makes it a lot more fun so it is kind of disappointing that our outdoor season is canceled now so now we're basically looking forward to the next school year. So it's kind of a long ways off. So I guess those are main things that I enjoy when it comes to coaching. 
What goals do you have for the program going forward? I guess the big one would just be the program keep moving forward. Um, obviously, we need more numbers for that, so recruiting is a big one. So ultimately, just keep recruiting more and more people across all the events so we can fill more events. Um, I guess ultimately just growth, the program continuing to grow, getting more athletes, scoring more points at conference meets. And then some of the, like during Andor, we go to some of those smaller scored meets, trying to score more and more points at, at those types of meets. What changes have you seen in the program since you've joined? I guess the big one is numbers. I mean, our team is a lot larger. When I started, I don't know, would we have probably 13 or 14 athletes, but probably 10 to 12 of them were distance runners. So seeing it a little more evenly dispersed amongst all the events um, has definitely been a positive and seeing the growth in that. Um, I mean, adding two coaches, that's a huge thing um, that has definitely seen growth. Obviously, with Coach Fouts having um, a girl, um, he had Lily score, what was she? She was second in the shot, third in the weight throw at the indoor meet. So that was definitely a positive. Seeing events score that hadn't scored, like the year before at the conference meet, um, was definitely a positive. All right, so we're going to try to help you with recruiting here. What is one? What is something you'd like to tell a high school senior that is coming in? to try to convince them to come to Rochester? I would say give us a chance. We could we could show you a couple or a few, quite a few different people, not just distance runners, but throwers, sprinters that have had success under our program, even though we don't have the facility. We've been able to, to make it work and, and allow athletes to be successful, but even more importantly, successful in the classroom as well um, because I mean you know as good as anybody having our smaller classroom sizes has definitely helped with keeping people eligible helping people get better grades than they thought they would have I could give you multiple examples of athletes that have had have gotten better GPAs in college at Rochester than they had in high school so from those standpoints as well not just being an athlete but having the academic success that we've had athletes have as well. All right. Well, Coach, thank you for your time. Not a problem. Not a whole lot going on right now with our uh, with our season being cut down, just basically trying to recruit more, more athletes. Yeah, how, you've got a couple recruits in the last couple weeks assigned. Do you know how many you're up to now? Um, I'm at uh, 10 signed and then there's one letter that I still have to get signed. That actually, we were supposed to do his signing last week Friday, but then that got canceled because of all this virus stuff. So we're just kind of waiting to see how his high school wants to go forward with the signing and everything. So, so you should have 11. So 11 already this year, and you had 14, correct, last year? Or more than that? No, we had 20. 20. I forget how many came in. But at this point last year, I'd have to look back, but my guess is at this point last year we were at maybe five to seven, so we're definitely ahead of where we were last year. Well, it's always a good thing.
definitely. So, all right. Thank you for your time. Yep, not a problem. Well, once again, we'd like to thank Coach Wilson for his time and availability to record this interview and be our first guest here on the Long Run Podcast series. Thought it was pretty interesting, his take on running in college and how he got there, and just the different training aspects that he had to it, and then, of course, his path to eventually coaching me in college as well. Stay tuned. We're going to have another guest on next week's episode. We'll let You'll have to wait and find out who that is, but we're going to continue on with having guests on the podcast here for the next couple weeks, just with the coronavirus going on, not much to talk about. So Coach Wilson has actually been pretty instrumental in helping me find some guests to be willing to join the podcast. So we're going to have another guest join us next week as well. That'll come out on April 8th. So if you enjoyed listening to a professional runner and now a coach's perspective, We're going to have another college runner and coach as well on the podcast next week. So tune in to see who we have join us next week. But we're going to move on to our cool down portion of the podcast. And the first thing that I want to talk about is I found an article that states 25 golden rules of running. This was posted on the runningworld.com webpage. And the first rule is specificity, and their rule that they put up there says it states the most effective training mimics the event for which you're training, which I thought the number one golden rule actually fits what we're going to start to do here in our cooldown portion this month. So I came up with a new idea. I know the first couple episodes we were trying to give you generic tips to kind of help you get out there and get running and just general tips that will help you with no matter what distance you're doing, but starting here in the month of April, uh, each month I'm going to take a different road race and give you some tips to help you do your best at that distance. So I did some brainstorming and thought about it a little bit, and probably one of the most popular road races and a very short road race is the one mile. I know there's usually the 5k is probably the most popular, but There's also the one mile for those of you that like to get out and get a little exercise but not into the longer distance running. So we're going to start with the one mile for the month of April and throughout the month of April in our podcast during the cool down we will give you different tips to help you run your fastest mile for the road races this summer. Maybe you found a race on the track as well this summer or this fall so we'll give you some things that can help you improve your time. As it comes to that, my first tip is just to get some base mileage in, especially if you're starting from zero. You always want to get some running in before you get into heavy-duty training. So get out there. If you're starting from zero, just start with a mile each day, then up it uh, maybe a week later, two, three miles. You don't need to go overboard, but it's always good to run more than your race distance. That will help you be able to run through that distance at a faster pace when you run your race. So you should get some distance in before you start getting into your actual workouts. The other thing I found is Olympic medalist Nick Willis posted an article on with New York Magazine talking about mile training plans and tips that you can do to kind of help that. So he has two tips that I'm pulling from the article right now. My goal with this is kind of provide my insight but give you some professional insight as well. 
from some of the Olympic runners or professional runners as well. So my tip was to get some base mileage in. This tip, the first one from Nick Willis, is to buy a pair of lightweight running shoes. He says too many of us are heel strikers, which means your heel obviously hits the ground first before your toes. So he said with short, shuffly strides. To run the mile, we need to run like children, which means getting off your heels and onto your toes. Less supportive and lighter weight shoes create a better running form and eventually help you to develop a powerful push-off as you run, which is very true because when I was in my track days at college, my number one thing I would tell my teammates is if you saw me getting to the middle of my feet or more flat-footed, that please tell me something because I run faster when I'm on my toes and constantly going, and that's very true. You get your push-off from your toes, not your heel. Your heel slows you down, your toe speeds you up. So by these lightweight shoes, it's not weighing you down. You're more likely to land on the ball of your foot instead of the heel of your foot. So lightweight shoes can help you out. And then the other tip he had was practice pushing through the pain. Running a mile, a hard mile, gets very painful in a short amount of time. People who are used to running long-distance races never learn that particular kind of discomfort, and it's hard for them to embrace the pain. Track intervals with short recoveries do that. You never fully recover before you start the next interval, and you're never comfortable. You have to hurt during the race to get the time you want. It's a different kind of runner's high. You finish, you hurt, but you're like, woo! And that's very true as well. Two very good tips here by Nick Willis. The mile is a breed of its own. I know, actually, any race you look at in distance, they all kind of, they're different in their own ways. And the mile is faster paced, but for a shorter distance. So you're not really going to experience that pain anywhere else for the mile so it is you do have to get used to it and like Nick mentioned some short track intervals or intervals with a short recovery really can help you with that but once again getting back to the point that I was making make sure you get some mileage in before you go do some intervals either on the track or on the road because you want to be able to run that distance or run it well So you can't just jump off the couch and go to an interval because you will end up hurting yourself or pulling something. Make sure you get some distance in, kind of get yourself back into a little bit of a running shape, and then go into those intervals maybe a week, week and a half, or even two weeks after you start running. Give yourself time to train before you go run your race. It's always good to give yourself a good training window. So don't just a week before you go run your race start training plan probably at least three four weeks out to start training if you want to achieve your best time and then yes of course once you feel like you've kind of got a base under you in miles start doing some training uh, intervals and we'll get into some other training that you can do in the coming weeks but just a few tips to try to improve your mile time coming into the summer or this fall one other thing I saw on social media this week that I really wanted to mention kind of lighten the mood with everything that's going on Joey Bellis, or Bells, however you pronounce his last name, he was a 13-year-old. I didn't really catch where he was from or where he was at, but he walked a marathon, 629 laps around a nursing station on his last day of chemo treatment. So some inspiration and some good news. 13-year-old boy getting a marathon, and pretty impressive especially, uh, not only walking the marathon, but when you think about also doing it after 
his last round of chemo. Really two upbeat things there. He's finished his chemo treatments, he's beat cancer, and he just walked a marathon. So kudos to you, Joey. Keep doing what you're doing, and hopefully you get out there to get some running in sometime soon. One last thing I want to mention before we end the podcast, that's don't forget to check out our Instagram channels, The Long Run 5 on Twitter, and Believe in the Long Run on Instagram. We are also now on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and Apple iTunes, so check those out as well. All of your favorite podcast stations, we have now been uploaded to that last week as well, so you can check us out there. Give it a like, follow, and if you want to comment any questions or any comments that you may have about the podcast series, feel free to reach out to our social medias, and we will see you next week with our second special guest here on the podcast. I'm going to head out to go do my run once again, and stay safe and healthy, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install durable against the elements and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th and check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money.